Uh, you know, I knew I was going to, you know, be uh, just flying in yesterday, so I wasn't going to preach today. And Seth's been busy with the Disciple Training Institute, and Rich has preached recently. So I said, yeah, let's have, uh, let's have a brother come and just hear what God's doing in some other churches around this area. You know, God's at work. And so, Neil, we welcome you. And can we all just give Neil a welcome? Thank you very much. It is so, so great to be here. Um, over the years, I've met several people. You know, you run into other Christians and you learn that you're Christians and you want to know where each other goes to church. So time after time over the, the last few years, um, I'd say, hey, how are, how are you? Where do you go to church? And uh, at, at different occasions, I would, people would say, well, I go to Jeremy's church. Jeremy's church. Where's Jeremy's church? Oh, that's South Shore Baptist. Oh, that's cool, Jeremy. I've got to meet this guy, Jeremy. So then a few months later go by and... and um, I meet somebody else and I say, where do you go to church? Oh, I go to Jeremy's church. Oh, you mean the church at the South Shore in Hingham? Yeah, Jeremy's church. Okay, great. <laughs> and uh, so I couldn't wait to meet this guy, Jeremy, thinking he must be a great guy because the people seem to love him. And so I did get to meet him a few months ago. And I understand why you folks feel the way you do about him. And we don't, you know, we don't worship pastors, but we sure do love people that love us. And I just thank you, Jeremy, for your friendship. And now when people ask me where I was Sunday, I'm going to say, I was at Jeremy's church. <laughs> I just want to talk today about the fact that Paul says, uh, Paul, Paul was reminding the Ephesian elders as he was traveling through Miletus. He said, hey, go get the Ephesian elders. I want to talk to them. I spent time with them. And now that I'm, you know, within, uh, I'm close by, I just want to check in with them. So they all joined together. And he said this to him. He, he, he reminded them. He says, remember the, Lord, the, the words of our Lord Jesus, where he said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And, and those words one day just made such an impact on me because, uh, and, and I'm, I, I think this is appropriate for Christmas time, that we think about that God is a giver and that he, he expects us to have giving hearts towards people. But I remember early in my lay ministry, uh, there was a friend of mine who was really going down fast, and he was losing his family. He was lo- he lost his job. Alcoholism had set in, and he began to reap the the fruit of his harvest. and And so, I, my heart was going out to him. So I saw him, and I said, "Come stay at my house. I want you to. I'm going to help you. We're going to feed you." And so we did that. He he came over our house. I prayed with him for hours into the night, and. Uh, by the time he left, he was clean and sober. He looked good. He smelled good. And uh, I just felt really good about what I did for the Lord. And so it wasn't long after that that he, he dived right back into the lifestyle of being an alcoholic. And I was mad. I was angry. In my early years of lay ministry back in the 80s, I said, God, I gave up so much of my time, my money, my energy, my resources... And look at this guy. He's doing the same old stuff that got him in the place he's in. Is ministry really worth it? And I really had this pity party going on. Do you ever have one of those? Nobody wants to join the pity party. Nobody wants to show up. But you're the only one having it. And so I came across this passage of Scripture and it was like God took a hammer and whacked me over the head and I woke up. I had one of those moments. Remember the movie Jaws where... They realize they have a shock problem and 
they go into this town meeting and everybody's talking and nobody's listening. And all of a sudden, you see a, a hand go up on a chalkboard and you hear that screeching sound, you know, fingernails on the chalkboard. and It gets everybody's attention. Well, this is one of those moments for me. I came across this passage. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I realized something. I had to repent because the reason that I was giving to this gentleman was so that I could receive and see the fruit of my labors. It was all about me. And I had to say, Lord, forgive me because I didn't realize that I was giving in order to receive back so that I could say, look at what I've done. This man's changed because I reached out to him. And the Lord said, I want you to know something, son. The reason that you give is because I commanded you to give. And I am a God of love who is given. And I give, give, give to this entire world. And I want you to give because it's my heart to give, not expecting anything back. So here we have Christmas season. And everybody around the world, it's a global thing, isn't it? We all love to give. Who's responsible for this? It's God because He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So when we globally celebrate Christmas in the attitude of giving, it's because God gave His Son to a world that didn't seem to care. A world that wasn't really looking for God, but He's looking for us. He was reaching out for us. So I wanted to just kind of focus on some of these thoughts about what it means to to invest in the kingdom. What it means and how we can make a difference. You know, some of us here today might say, well, I don't have... And, and, believe, and I want you to understand, I'm not talking uh, about money here, although that can fit in this paradigm, but I'm, I'm talking about having a heart of giving the way that God gives to people. In Ephesians, if you would just turn quickly to Ephesians chapter 1. As you're turning, um, Christmas is a special time for me because uh, it was 11 years ago, this 20th of December, that three people came into my life that changed my world. And they were my sons. They were triplets that came into the world. Um, my, my wife, we discovered in 1995, excuse me, <clears throat> was pregnant. And we realized after about so many weeks into it that there were there were there were three of them in there, <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of praying to do. And <clears throat> I have a, a friend who's an accountability partner, and before that, you know, I was talking to him, and you know, we had had two daughters already. One was eleven, the other was eight, and uh, you know, it was like the, the baby stage is all gone, and there I'm kind of missing having a little a little one around, and. So I said, honey, you know, wouldn't it be great to have another child? And she's like, well, I don't know, you know. We need to pray about it. And so this went on for a few years, you know, this whole thing. And finally I'm like, well, you know, we're not getting any younger. What do you think? So she said, okay, okay uh, yeah, let's, let's have another child, child. <clears throat> and so uh, we discovered that there were three boys there. And uh, so anyways, I, I was telling my accountability partner about praying for this you know, this pregnancy and this baby. And uh, so afterwards, when he heard that we had triplets, he said, Neil, remember you were praying about having a child? He said, when you prayed, did you stutter when you prayed? (laughs) 
So, God has blessed us. They'll be here at the 11 o'clock service, hopefully not terrorizing Shore Baptist, but um, Ephesians. You know, we wonder, what do we have to give? What do we have to give? And in Ephesians chapter 1, it, it gives us what we've been blessed with. He, Paul talks to the Ephesians in verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in Him before the creation of this world to be holy and blameless. Verse 5, He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say in verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches Listen, listen to this. The riches of God's grace that He what? Lavished. The NIV says lavished upon us. He wasn't stingy with His grace. I don't know if you're here today and maybe you're here and you haven't really understood the concept of grace. And you say, well, what what do I have to give? Well, God lavished His grace on a sinful world. He didn't just kind of give a little bit here and there. He just poured it out. It says that He lavished His grace on us with all wisdom and understanding. It goes on later to say in verse 13, and you were also included in Christ. How, how can I be included in Christ? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed. Isn't it amazing that we are included in Christ by believing? By grace, are you saved through faith? And then it says, uh, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing, I love that, the Holy Spirit upon us, in us, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. This is no question or wondering if we're believers. We are guaranteed this awesome inheritance. Now, all the things that I listed right there, all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, we have so much stored up in us that God has lavished upon us that we have so much just to give away, to share, uh, if you think about it. Well, how is it then that I can become a giver? Well, Paul says to Philemon, he says in verse 6, because there's only one chapter, he says, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. Now, we share our faith in many ways. I mean, it isn't... You don't have to be a preacher to share your faith. Everybody's called to share our faith. And in this season of Christmas, we ought to be thinking about how can I give myself away so people can see Jesus in me? He says, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith so that you might know every, as paraphrase, every good thing you have in Christ. You know what happens when we give of what we already have inside, when we give it away? We are reminded of what God has done for us. And that's why what Paul said, reminding us of the words of Jesus, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Because if you're not giving, you're robbing yourself of a blessing. Does that make sense? So every time I decide that I'm going to give a piece of who I am to as many people that I come into contact with, I actually, the word blessed there, the Greek word is makarios. I always am afraid to pronounce Greek words because it's probably wrong the way I did it. But um, it means blessed. It means happy. 
happy, genuinely joyful, happy, happy. It's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So as we give of the essence of, of who we are because of who we are in Christ, we become blessed. So we need to look for ways to do that. And I remember speaking with this guy and, uh, and thinking that by helping him, that somehow he had to change in order for me to receive my blessing. And God reminded me that it's all about giving. It's giving. So there's three things I'd like you to go uh, come away with. Is number one, uh, and it's based on Matthew. You can turn there, Matthew 6, verse 9, 19 through 20. This is my main text. We can read this. Jesus, can you imagine being up there <clears throat> as they were on the mountainside? Can you imagine, just, just, sit, just throw yourself back into that time. Just, just imagine yourself. You're there with Jesus. You're there with God the Son. And what He's saying, what He's about to say is so important. And we've got our, our ears are listening and our attention is right there because we've got... Jesus speaking every word they were holding on to. And here's, here's some words that He said in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Think about that word. Destroy. Moth and rust destroy. I'll get to that later. I was going to jump ahead, but I won't. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The three things that we'll be looking at today is kingdom investments, number one, multiply. Kingdom investments, number two, last forever. And kingdom investments develop a kingdom heart. David Livingston, anybody ever hear of him? He's a missionary, famous missionary. This is what he said, and he really meant it because he lived it. I place no value, he says, on anything I have or may possess, except in relation to the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the interests of the kingdom, it shall be given away or kept only as by giving or keeping it I shall most promote the glory of Him to whom I owe all my hopes in time and eternity. That's amazing, isn't it? What a heart of just every all for Jesus, everything for God. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. When we talk about giving to God's kingdom, we're really talking about it boils down to investing into people's lives what God has already invested into us. So the first one I want to talk about is uh, kingdom invest investments multiply. Jesus, He was the only one when He came, He was Christianity. He passed this on to 12, and then later we could subtract one. We had 11 that were fully on fire for Jesus. And then, of course, we had the 70 and the multitudes and all that. But the bottom line is when it came time for the upper room of those who were committed and faithful, there was 120 praying for those days. So it went from Jesus to the 11 to the 120. And as the Spirit of God was poured out on those people, 
because they had so much to give and they wanted to give it. As the Spirit of God worked through them, in one day, 3,000 came to Jesus. You see, when we invest in the kingdom, there is a multiplication that takes place and then, of course, we see where 5,000 came. And now, I think it's in the world globally, somewhere around 2 billion, and who knows how many have been throughout history have come to Jesus. And you know what, Celsius Baptist? It's because of people like you. that You've given up so much of what you could have held on to. That there are people all over this world. I got your calendar and it blew me away. I mean, I'm only five years, almost five years old as a church. And I looked at this missionary thing, page after page after page, January, February, March, and all these incredible missionaries that you support. Keep it up. Because what you're doing is laying up treasure for heaven, in heaven. Nothing can take that away. So here you have Jesus, the 12, the 120, the 3,000, the 5,000, 2 billion however many people have come to know Christ. You know what it's a good thing to do now and again is kind of trace your spiritual genealogy. Have you ever done that, sat and thought about how did I come to Christ? And how did the person that brought me to Christ come to Christ? And who brought them to Christ? Have you ever done that? It's really cool to do. I remember for me, I didn't go to church up until I was 12. My mother was raised in a legalistic uh, home. Her father was a Hellfire and Brimstone preacher <laughs> would get up in Boston Common and stand up on a box and preach and tell everyone they're going to burn and go to hell. And, and at home, it, was, it wasn't fun. It, everything was a sin. And uh, my mom didn't want to go to church when she got out of the, the nest. So we didn't go to church. My dad was in a backslidden stage of his life. So up until 12, we didn't really know Jesus. And this geeky-looking guy came to my door one day, knocked on our door, and uh, uh, his wife, you know, had the, the beehive, you know, hairdo, and they were scary, kind of looking to us as teenagers. Um, so I thought, whatever they are about, I don't want much to do with it. <laughs> um, and um, anyways, they were uh, teenagers, and by the time these people left, my parents said, you guys are going to youth group. And we're like, youth group? What is that? You're going to church. Church? We're going to church? It scared me. And, and you know, it was through that experience that I, we came to know, I came to know Jesus Christ. He changed my world. He's given me everything that I need for life and godliness. He's forgiven my sins. He's given me a mission. He's given me a purpose. And I'm telling you what, my, my heart burns with the message of the Gospel. I love to give it away. Whether I'm in Dunkin' Donuts or wherever I am, it doesn't matter. So I look back and I say, thank you to those people. I love you. I want to find them because I don't know where they are. And I just want to give them a hug. Even if they've got the pocket protectors and all this, it doesn't matter. I just love them. I love them. But you know, in my church, I've been thinking recently about how good it is to trace, you know, what happens as New Hope has come to be. I'm just thinking of one example where a few months ago, actually a year or so ago, this gentleman came to our church who had come from a legalistic background and didn't really want much to do with the Lord. 
he didn't understand really what grace really meant. So he came to our church and he heard and heard and heard week after week. And you could see, the first day he came, his face was dead, just a flat affect, just, you know, no life. And then you could see, the smile began to come on his face, his eyes would light up, it just began to take place where he was burning. He began to catch the fire of the gospel. He, he had a guy working for him, and he said, hey, I want you to come to church. And so this guy, who was raised in a pastor's home, and he was totally backslidden, he was swimming in the cesspool of sin, I mean, really bad stuff, because of stuff that went on in his, his life. He called him on Sunday morning, he says, I can't come today, I've got a hangover, and I was out partying all night, and he goes, <laughs> the guy that comes to the church, he goes, just get in your car and drive to church. He was living in Taunton. And the, the kid's like, I don't know what happened, I just got in my car and I drove to church. And it was uh, on Easter Sunday where he gave his heart to Christ. And so what he did is he's all supercharged and he's got a friend who, uh, this girl was also a mess. Just a mess. And he tells her about Jesus and that she should come to church. And after a few weeks, she gave her life to Jesus. And now she's on fire for Christ and she's working with somebody, another waitress, and she's telling her about Jesus. Now, she comes to church and receives Christ. And now this girl is telling people about Jesus. And when you think about the potential of how this can multiply just by giving my life away, why hoard up all of these Ephesians 1 blessings? Why keep it to ourselves? God wants us, everyone in this, in this church, He wants all of us to give away what we have been given. Because we don't experience the true blessing until we become a conduit of God's love to others. That's awesome. It's the ripple effect. The ripple effect. Have you ever heard the contrast of Max Jukes and Jonathan Edwards? You've probably done that before. Hopefully not recently. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe not in the last month or so. It'll be new to some of you. Max Jukes was an atheist and he lived a godless life. Godless life. He married an ungodly girl and from the union, there were 310 who died as paupers. 150 were criminals. Seven were murderers. A hundred were drunkards. And more than half of the women were prostitutes. His 540 descendants cost the state one and a quarter million dollars. So they trace this back to like the 18, you know, from the 1800s or so when they were alive. And, and they trace And they compared Max Jukes to this man, as we all know, Jonathan Edwards who lived as his contemporary. There is a record of a great American man of God, Jonathan Edwards. He lived at the same time as Max Jukes, but he married a godly girl. An investigation was made of 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards, of which 13 became college presidents, 65 college professors, 3 became United States senators, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 army and navy officers, 100 preachers and missionaries, 60 authors of prominence, one a vice president of the United States, 80 became public officials in their capacities, 295 college graduates, among whom were governors of states and ministers to foreign countries. His descendants did not cost the state a single penny. Now think about that. My life counts. Not only for me, because we become so self-centered at times, but for all of those that will come after me. As You know, we wonder... Are the words that we say and the way we live important? And sometimes we kind of look at life 
in a self-centered way, not realizing that what I do today and what I say will have a major impact, a ripple effect on many to come. The second one is kingdom investments last forever. They are never destroyed. I read where uh, Kate Hudson reportedly owns a $30,000 pair of pajamas. You know, it's like, what are we doing with what God has given us? Some people love things and use people, but God calls us to love people and use things. I, I, I watched um, where on CNN where this lady named Kim, Kim uh, Benham and her family decided to adopt this boy from Russia. His mother died at six. At nine years old, he was pushed off a train as it was moving by a kid his age. He lost both of his legs. And so this American family who had the love of God in their heart decided to adopt this guy. They brought him to the States. They told him he could do anything. And he even gives God glory in the interview. And he believed it. They invested in his life. This kid is playing football for a high school team. He walks on his hands and the kid is so strong and powerful that he, he, and he's fast as lightning. Anybody see the interview? Um, and and he'll, he tackles the, the guys with the ball. Takes them down. He believes in himself because somebody believed in him. Daniel 12.3 says this, Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Your, the, the, the kingdom investments that you make in people will, sh- your, you will shine forever and ever and ever. It never wears out. Kingdom's uh, investments last forever. And the last one, number three, is kingdom investments develop a kingdom heart. Wherever I, whenever I choose to invest in a person, and you know it's easy to in, invest your life into nice people, good-looking people. It's easy. It's easy to invest in people who treat you right. But Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good. Overcome evil with good. So my mission in, in this, as I'm closing up here, is that we can all have an awareness of the potential of what we can do to invest in others so that we can multiply what Jesus has done in us all over the world. You say, well, who is it that I can invest in? Everybody around you. If we begin to see people with that kind of a mindset, um, it's just amazing when we have a paradigm shift in our thinking or we just remind ourselves of who we are and what we need to continue to do, what God can do in us. Investing in people. I'll close with this story. Life was tough for Datha and her family. I found this, by the way, in the Daily Bread. I went a few days ahead, so when you get there, you've got to go, oh yeah, I read that. I heard that in church. Uh, life was tough, tough for Datha and her family. At age 39, she had a heart attack and bypass surgery and learned that she had coronary heart disease, artery disease, sorry. A year later, her 15-year-old daughter became paralyzed as a result of a car accident. Datha had to quit her job and take care of her daughter, Heather. 
and the bills started piling up. Soon they would be facing eviction. Datha was so angry with God that she stopped praying. Then came Christmas Eve of 2004. A young girl knocked on Datha's door. The girl wished her a Merry Christmas, gave her an envelope, and left quickly. Inside was a gift that would cover Datha's housing needs for the next year. The attached note read, Please accept this gift in honor of the man whose birthday we celebrate on this holy night. Long ago, his family also had a shelter problem. Investing in people. Look for the opportunities. Ask God to use you. And usually, it's in those, those people and places where you would maybe not even think about until today. People that are around you all the time. Invest in their lives. Because you can see over time, and especially in heaven, the fruit of your labors. God bless you. As our response to the word of the Lord, let's sing number 597. 597. Take my life and let it be consecrated. And we'll sing verses 1, 2, 4, 5, and 6. 1, 2, 4, 5, and 6. Would you please stand? Let's lift our, our hearts and our voices. <clears throat> 